What is astrology? Seriously, what the heck is it? In this episode, we are going to cover several points historically, currently, and personally, as well as globally, what astrology is and what does it mean? Why do you want to know what astrology is? Because it is a magical language from the universe. It is a universal language that explains the deepest, most sacred and secret sides of not only ourselves, our past and our future, past lives, but also about others. Imagine having a secret manual that explains life on so many different levels. I am a master astrologer, and this is what I do for a living. We're going to talk about all this and more coming up next. You're listening to Ask Holly Hall. This is Holly Hall from AskHollyHall.com. Today we will be talking about anything from astrology, predictions, clairvoyancy. I am a master astrologer of a background education in philosophy and psychology, neurolinguistic programming, past life regression, and I'm also clairvoyant. Sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Did you know that astrology goes back as far as 3,000 Babylonian, in the Babylonian ages, in the Babylonian ages, 3,000 years back. In the 20th century, astrology gained a broader consumer popularity through the influence of regular mass media products such as newspaper horoscopes. And so many people believe that that's what astrology is. No, that's what horoscopes are. That is not what astrology is. Let me just give you a breakdown that might be a little bit mind-boggling at first. This is not a lesson, so I'm not going to give you the details you can research my podcasts or you can take a look at intelligentsoul.substack.com for my articles on my astrology. AskCollyHell.com is where you can learn more as well. So basically, astrology is a map of the sky the day that you were born. All of the planets, including the moon and the sun, are constantly moving. There are 12 celestial constellations around our planet. Each one of them is the signs of the zodiac. There's Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Each one of those zodiac signs has a representation in a celestial sort of a collection of stars 
in the sky. And when those planets are circulating around the sky, they stream through, you know, if I was standing on the planet and I were to look at the constellation Virgo, and if I had a telescope, I could look even further and see Mars. That means Mars is in Virgo. Okay, and it continues to move. Each planet moves at a different speed. The Sun, the Moon, the Mars, Venus, and Mercury move at slower speeds. Sorry, faster speeds. And then we have Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto that move at much slower speeds according to our vantage point on Earth. Obviously, everything circles the sun. It doesn't circle the Earth, but we still look at that. So if I were standing at the point and time and day that I was born and I had a telescope, I would be able to see where all of the planets were. Now, not all of them, because some of them would have been below me on the other side of the Earth, depending on the time I was born. And therefore, all of this also has mathematical, what we call aspects from one another. So there's a degree in which Mars might be a certain degree, such as 90 degree angle from the moon or the Venus might be on the opposite side of Uranus, which means if I was born in Canada, Uranus might be somewhere in China. And let's say Venus was right above the sky. So that would be an opposition. They were opposite of each other. All right. All of these mean something. They are a language. Everything means something. All of the zodiac signs have meanings. The planets have meanings, meanings, the combination of the zodiac and the planet has a meaning. The angles towards one another have another meaning. And then on top of that, that's the map of the sky, the day you were born. However, you know, you might be 20, 30, 40, 50, 2, 56 years old. And at the, this moment today, when you're listening to this, the planets have completely changed. They're in different locations, in on different angles, and very rarely will they be exactly the same twice. Okay, yes, Mars will be in Virgo many, many times. The moon will be in Pisces many, many times. But the Mars being at two degrees Virgo, and let's say the moon being at 21 degrees Pisces, and then Venus being in four degrees Scorpio, all the planets will not be exactly the same. Very rarely, more than twice. So if I was born on September 2nd in in my year that I was born, and you were born September 2nd, 10 years later, even a year later, we do not have the same astrological chart. The language will be different. 
So astrologically, there is a belief system that corresponds between the celestial observation, that's me looking up at the sky, and the terrestrial events have influenced various aspects of human history, including worldviews, language, and many elevent elements of social culture. So I could draw up an astrology chart for anything. You could contact me and say, Holly, should I sell my house? I could look at this at uh, many different ways. I can look into your future and see if it is good timing to sell your house. And if so, when? I can also look up the horary chart. That means the astrological chart when that question was born. So I may ask you, when did you first think of selling your house? And if you know exactly the very first time you thought about it or said it out loud, I would look up the astrological chart at that time. If you were to say to me, I have no clue why my best friend is suddenly ditching me. Every time we go to get, we get together, they ditch me. What did I do? I could look that up. I could look at your chart and see if there's some kind of filter that you're struggling with right now. You're filtering this as a problem when maybe there isn't because of your own personal situation or better yet, I can look up your friend's chart the day they were born, take a look at the planets in the sky right now, see how it's interacting with her birth chart. And I could go, you know what? Your friend's having some problems in her relationship that started in February and it's going to continue for the next six months. So probably the best thing to do is just to reach out to your friend and say, hey, if there's anything that I can do for you, just let me know. That's it. If somebody, and you would not believe how many times this has saved relationships with partners, with parents, with friends, with children, with coworkers. Yeah, it's that incredible. Now, astrologically, in its broadest sense, is basically the search for human meaning in the sky. It seeks to understand general and specific human behavior through the influence of planets and other celestial objects, such as the sun and the moon. I look at the basic planets and the sun and the moon, but there are, and there's a north node and the south node, uh, point of fortune, but a lot of astrologers will look even further. They will look at all of the other celestial beings. There's Lilith, Chiron. Sometimes I look at Chiron, but I also look at what's called progressions. I'm not sure where this developed or the actual understanding of how it works, but it works. And without getting into detail, it's another way. I've also looked at what's called a solar return, which is done every year on your birthday. All of these just add layers. There's not one component or astrological sort of system that's better than another. It's just that it adds another layer 
another deeper understanding to situations. I personally use Western astrology and I use sidereal astrology. Vedic astrology, I've done a bit of studying on, and even though it does change things, you know, my my moon sign is in Capricorn in Vedic astrology. My sun sign is in Leo in Vedic astrology, but in Western astrology, my sun sign is in Virgo and my moon sign is in Aquarius. There still seems when I'm looking at, and some of them are the same, some of the planets don't change. When I look at the transits, that means that's fortune telling, so to speak. I don't like to be called a fortune teller, by the way, because I want to show my clients how they can utilize the energy to benefit their free will. Period. That's it. Okay. But regardless, when I've used Vedic astrology, it's sort of experimenting. Um, it's a lot of things line up the same. To be honest with you, Vedic astrology makes more sense to me because it's using the actuality of where the planets are right now. Like the logic behind it makes more sense to me. But for some reason, Western astrology works for me. My predictions are much more accurate. And again, some things you just don't have answers for, right? Also, I'm clairvoyant. And so my, and I was astrologer before I was clairvoyant, or at least before I was aware of my clairvoyancy. So while I am doing an astrological reading, this opens up some sort of portal to a higher realm I call source. And I'm also able to see what's called remote viewing. So I'm also able to see what what is going on now with somebody else, for instance. So as an example, I have so many favorite ones, but this is a more recent one. I said to a client who was asking me, why is my 14-year-old son in his room all the time? He won't come out. He won't talk to me. I try to ask him what's wrong. He won't. He says nothing's wrong. Clearly, there is something wrong. It's not just hormonal. It's very out of character to, for him. And she knew something was wrong. So first, I explained his per- basic personality which is you cannot problem solve for this person. I, he had a moon, in, um, a moon in Virgo and Mars in Virgo. Virgos are problem solvers and they value and they're, that they're problem solvers. And they're very critical of themselves when they can't solve problems. Now, throughout life, we have problems. That's just the way life is. So imagine a strong Virgo personality, even though his sun sign is in cancer, is in the sign of cancer, he has a strong Virgo on his chart. He's constantly criticizing himself. So he had a problem. That part, I said, you need to approach him in a way that you're not problem solving for him, in a way that you're just supporting him, helping him 
throughout his own problem solving. Not easy for a mom to do, right? We want to, we want to take the suffering away from our children. But actually helping him problem solve makes him suffer more. Not the mother's fault. It's the way he filters his life. Secondly, I did a remote viewing and I saw that it was something to do with his schooling, that there was something in his education at school that he was not happy with and that he will need to change schools in order for that happiness to be satiated. Now, the other mystery that happens with me, and it's happened way too often, I mean, it happens all the time for years, but I really noticed it the last year, was that while I am engaging in a reading session, I do many coaching sessions where I talk to clients on a regular basis. If I, if we're taught, when we are talking about another person in their life, somehow that person's life changes, shifts, their relationship changes and shifts. It's like a ripple effect just because we're talking about it. Somehow they get healed or they get awareness or there's a new connection. So this is what happened. The next day, literally, she told me, her son came up to her and said, mom, there's a certain program at the school that I'm at right now that I'm extremely interested in. And our school isn't able to provide the full program, but there's another school that does. And, you know, she stepped into this conversation deliberately remembering my advice on his personality and she allowed him to maintain the platform of problem solving it. And so they worked together as she encouraged him to investigate the, the other school. She noticed a little bit more of a pep in the step, much more conversation was happening around the dinner table because this heavy load was lifted off of his shoulder that literally happened that next day. Because this happens more often than not, I know that the conversation that we had somehow energetically opened up a portal for him to be able to make this uh, conversation happen the next day or create the conversation. Astrology in its broadest sense is a search for human meaning in the sky. Okay, that's what I had said earlier. It's, it's the search for human meaning. How often are you just sitting there going, why am I here? What is this? Why are humans on earth? Why are we so unconscious or unaware of the broader sense of the meaning of life. That's what I love about astrology. And that's what I love about the astronomical, astronomical cycles. And that's what we call cycles. And those cycles have timelines. And this is what I share with my clients. Early evidence of such practices appear as markings on bones and cave walls, which show the lunar cycles were being noted as early as 25,000 years ago. Now, 
let's take a little walk down history lane and take a look at the Babylonian days. That's how far back astrology goes. I mean, that's insane. Okay, I hear you. You're asking me. They didn't have telescopes then. They didn't know about planets real far away. Remember, we didn't have as much, well, they didn't have any <laughs> city lights back then. They didn't have a lot of un or any unnatural lighting emanating from our planet. We also had much clearer skies, you know, no pollution, etc. So they could actually see as far as Saturn. No, they did not see the other planets. I mean, Pluto was not even seen until 1930. And then they turned it into a dwarf plant, planet not too long ago. But I still use Pluto. Pluto, for me, tells me what my clients are going through with their past life, their past life moving forward. So when I look at Pluto, and if it's creating a negative or positive aspect, it is either leveling them up, which is a soul ascension, because Ah, basically you gained a bunch of brownie points and you're graduating high school, going into university or college, your soul, that is, or a soul rebirth, a rebirth as in birthing, you know, when you're born, but it's a rebirth, like being born again. And that rebirths are a little more challenging, but it's not a bad thing because in the end you will have let go blocks, inhibitions, and behavioral issues and patterns that no longer serve you. And they not only have been with you this entire lifetime, they've been with you many, many lifetimes. So this is good, right? Some of them were designed or they were created from a past life experience. That's a whole nother story. Okay. Now, most horoscopic traditions of astrology systems divide the horoscope into a number, usually 12 houses. You've heard of the houses. You've also heard of ascendance or rising signs. These houses or rising signs depends on the time and the location rather than on the date of your birth. So you do have to know the time of your birth to know your rising sign. Now the horoscope and the houses represent different fields of experience within the energy of that sign and that planet that is operating, described in terms of physical surroundings as well as personal life experiences. So just to give you an idea, we've got one to 12 houses. The first house is your physical appearance, your characteristics, sort of your outlook and how you want people to see you little bit of ego in there. The second house, which is ruled by Taurus, the last one was ruled by Aries. That's a whole nother lesson. Okay. We're not going to do lessons here, but just to give you an idea of how the complexity of why you can be so much different than another. I know you're asking me about twins now, right? Or of course there's people born on the same day at the same time that you were, you weren't the only one in the hospital. So I'll mention that too in a minute. 
Taurus is about your material things and how you earn your money, your possessions, your self-worth. And that's the second house. Third house, Gemini is communication. It's also your siblings and mode of transportations, etc. The fourth house, ruled by Cancer, is your heritage, your roots, your foundation, your housing, your household, your neighborhood, and sometimes your children, pets, etc., and your childhood. Fifth house, Leo, is recreation, leisure activities, things. It's also romance. And sometimes, again, children and fertility. I look at both, depending. It's your creative, creative, create, creative self-expression. The sixth house is your routines and your duties. It's also your basic health, your strengths and your vitality, and your health care. The seventh house, which is Libra, is partnerships, marriage, business matters, diplomacy, agreements, legal matters, etc. The eighth house, which is Scorpio, is cycles of death and rebirth, uh, sexual relationships, commitments of all kinds, also joint funds, finances that come from other resources, karma and debt. This is where we do our self-transformation. The ninth house, which is Sagittarius, is a house of purpose, and this is travel, foreign affairs, culture, expansion, law. It's also your belief systems. The not, the 10th house, which is Capricorn, is your ambitions, your motivations, your career, your achievements, your social status. It's also around your father and the or and authority. 11th house Aquarius is a house of blessings. Benefit from effort, friends, acquaintances, like-minded people, groups, communities, etc. And then finally, the 12th house, which is Pisces, house of sacrifice. This is where I look at past lives as well. One of the things that I look at with past lives, I look at Pluto as well. And this is seclusion, retreating, refuge. This is also luck and miracles, releasing, relinquishing, healing, cleansing, forgiving, and peacefulness. So you can see already, and this is only a portion of astrology, a lot of people will get tripped up when they're learning astrology because they segregate, they compartmentalize each position, each design of an astrological chart. I have been gifted because I know that I have done this in other lifetimes. This has been proven to me. And I'm seriously telling you, I'm a skeptic. I have a scientific mind. And it was downright proof. And I will explain that in a moment too. I want, or I will tell you that story. I want to go back to um, something that I had mentioned as well. Okay, so let's get back to the twins or people that were born exactly at the same time, place, etc. that you were. When we are twins, we are obviously, most of them spend their lifetimes together or the first part of their lifetime together. They will usually become like a yin and yang. One will focus on certain traits and the other will focus on the other traits. So for instance, let's say they're an Aries. 
Aries are usually bold, courageous, vivacious, and let's say they have other planets in fire as well. That accentuates the fieriness of an Aries. And yet they can also be lacking of courage, fearful of becoming brave. They can also be argumentative. They can be combative, competitive. So one may have those traits, be combative, competitive, very argumentative. And the other one may just be fiery, vivacious, alive, constantly flittering from here to there, short-tempered, etc. So they will become the, the yin and the yang because every astrological uh, zodiac house and planet as well as the uh, signs, they have positive and negative traits. The same, two sides of the same coin so to speak. Geminis and Libras have two distinct personalities as it is within the astrological sign. And most like most of the time, the the twins, one will exhibit one personality and the other one will exhibit the opposite. For instance, I know twins, one's a boy, one's a girl as well, and they're Libras. And a Libra can be shy and reserved, very much want to be on their own, hard to make decisions. So they're not always one to uh, start anything new, start anything fresh, you know, rather just stay in the non-decision making mode. And then the other part of a Libra is more intellectual, social, wants to be liked by others and always going out there trying to be liked by others. And so in this particular one, the girl represents that personality, the more social one, and the boy represents more of the reserved, shy, rather just stay home and play games kind of personality, right? So this is what happens. However, we also know that there are many twins that are exactly alike, even in their personalities. They finish each other's sentences. They even read each other's minds when they're babies. They're predictably acting very similar to one another, both into sports, both into reading, both may be loving music, etc. Both may be reactive, etc. Okay. Now, of course, if we are the same everything of somebody that we will never probably even meet in this lifetime, we'll never know, right? That person definitely, definitely can be exactly like you. Okay. So there is that aspect. There is that question answered. So let's take a look now at why do you want an ast- Why? I mean, we mentioned it at the beginning why you want an astrology chart done. But why would you do it more than once? I mean, like, isn't once enough? Honestly, I could look at somebody's chart and I could read for them every single day. Because you can go right down to the minute details. For instance, the moon changes signs every two and a half days. It makes a different interaction with the rest of the planets constantly. 
every month, every day of every month of every year. And we could be reading. That's what kind of what horoscopes are. It's kind of looking at the day-to-day sun sign and what is the sun, how is the sun interacting with the other planets? And it's just assuming that you're only relating to your own sun sign, which you're not. And it it can be somewhat sort of a layer of accuracy, but not full accuracy. You know what I mean? So most of my clients coach with me on a regular basis, weekly, monthly, or every few months. And this is to keep them focused on the energy field that is around them, that is here to assist them in their life. Why not utilize as much as we can to make decisions, choices, understand our own behaviors or the behaviors of others, and how to work with that in the best way possible. When we're going through negative aspects, these are blocks that we're letting go of. That's when I was talking about the soul rebirth, right? We're letting go of blocks. We're letting go of behavioral issues that no longer serve us. When somebody says to themselves, why don't I have a good job? Why am I not happy in my marriage? Why can't I find the love of my life? How come I don't have community? Why don't I get along with my family? Well, you know what? You have magically planted a seed. And when one of these transits, that's what we call them, happen, it will address that issue that you have been conscious of. Conscious of. Because you're asking a why. You're not feeling sorry for yourself. You know, Victor, oh, this always happens to me. Of course, I'm never going to find the love of my life. Why? Because I'm a loser. Because I have no good. Who's going to want me? Right? That's a victim. Right? You're not ready for a change then. You're still wanting to be in that self-serving for some reason. You know, all these emotionals, they serve us somehow. That's why we hang on to them. But, however, if you are ready for a change, then you ask the question, why, why, why? And this is what's going to happen. It will start dismantling parts of your personality traits that you really hang on to for a certain reason that has been keeping you from finding true love or the best job or having a happy life or getting along with one of your children. Is that easy? No, it's not. That's why it's a challenging time, but it can be easier. And this is why clients come back to me and coach with me. That's why it's that simple. So we're going to end the segment here, this episode. I hope this has been entertaining and enlightening and educational for you. All the best. May the stars be with you and may all your dreams come true. Namaste.